This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. shopping is a favourite pastime of many that will see absolutely no judgement from us. But how we finance it is big business and therefore news. Lately, that news has been the sale of buy now, pay later business Afterpay. It's been valued at $39 billion, which makes it the biggest acquisition in Aussie history. So in this episode, we look at how buy now, pay later works, who's who in the zoo and the issues surrounding the sector. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's fairly commonplace that when you buy something online these days, you're given the option to buy now, pay later. Those that might sound familiar that offer this service include Afterpay, Hum, ZipPay, Klarna. There's many, many more. No doubt plenty listening have used it, Claire. But for those who might not be clear on just what BNPL, as it's known, is, give us the rundown. Yeah, it's good if we do agree now to refer to it as BNPL. That'll certainly make things easier and speed things up. Uh, Essentially, you use a BNPL service to buy a product and delay the payment. So, if you're using a service to buy up to two to $3,000 worth of goods, you usually pay off your purchase over six to eight weeks. For services that offer BNPL on bigger purchases up to $30,000 and $50,000 worth, that payment period can be longer. So essentially, it's lay-by, sounds to me. Yeah, sort of. It's different because you get your goods up front. So BNPL is essentially the extension of credit to shoppers by a third party, whereas lay-by is when the retailer puts the products aside and you only get your hands on things when you've paid the full amount. So with lay-by, there's no third party financial service required because the retailer holds on to those goods. I do remember waiting for things on lay-by. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> BNPL then is lay-by for shoppers who want their stuff right now. And when you're looking at millennials who are using it for purchases of up to $2,000, it's pretty popular. In numbers, about 15% of millennials in Australia have used it. Yeah. And to make a gross generalisation, millennials don't much like debt and they're suspicious of credit cards. And that coupled with the falling popularity of cash, which has been supercharged by the pandemic. Uh, It means that it's a very different scene at the point of sale. Uh, There's a lot more focus on digital payment options, certainly, than there was at the start of 2020. Yeah, lots changed in the last year or so. Let's set the scene. You're shopping, wine in hand on the couch for me, usually. You chuck a whole heap of stuff in your cart, then you get to actually the paying part and you really want everything, but you don't really want to pay that full amount right now. This is where BNPL comes in. Yeah, I'm glad you've got your wine in hand on the couch and not (laughs) in the store. (laughs) (laughs) What you might be offered at that checkout is a BNPL service where you can get your goods there and then pay just one instalment and then you have three more payments spaced over the coming few weeks. So it's short-term credit that's extended by the BNPL provider uh, with approvals given over their tech platforms in just seconds. Which is the key differentiator with the banks. They generally take hours or days to extend credit with BNPL. It's super quick. 
Yeah, and it's the secret source of BNPL and a big part of why some of these companies are worth billions of dollars. Uh, More than financial service businesses, they're actually tech companies and some have developed platforms that allow them to assess creditworthiness in a way that is far more accurate than the traditional banks and they do it in seconds, not minutes and hours. Okay, so back to me on the couch. I'm at the checkout, got my wine. I've decided to buy all the things and that I'll use a BNPL service to pay for for all my things. Are there any fees involved? <laughs> no, you don't pay any upfront fees and you don't pay any interest. There must be a catch. Yeah, now you're getting onto it. So <laughs> one way the BNPL service makes money is through late fees. Uh, Afterpay, for example, makes about 10% of its revenue that way. And a review in recent months by Australia's financial regulators say that one in five BNPL uses mispayments. So that adds up. 10% is not a huge bulk of their revenue, though. How about the other 90%? Yeah, how BNPL services generate the bulk of their revenue is that they charge retailers a fee. Uh, retailers have been paying that because companies like Afterpay have given rapid growth and they've also referred a lot of new customers to them. Uh, and as regulators currently stand, retailers can be prevented from putting that surcharge onto shoppers who use that service. We'll get into the concerns and the regulation of BNPL a bit later, but let's get into now the who's who of the BNPL scene. There are a few brands in the BNPL space, but the one that's been in the news recently, as we said, is Afterpay. It's an Aussie business. It was founded by Sydney siders Nick Molnar and Anthony Eisen. It's in the process of being acquired by Square. In the interest of full transparency, they're an advertiser on Squeeze Shortcuts. But just to be clear, they're not involved in us pulling this episode together. Square are a big American company, Claire. It's run by Twitter's Jack Dorsey. Yep, $39 billion is the value of that transaction if it goes through. Afterpay is a cracking Aussie business story. Molnar is in his early 30s now and Eisen is in his late 40s. There's a bit of an age gap between the two. They met because they lived in the same street and they had chats about how consumer behaviour was changing during the GFC of 2008 to nine, and that young people needed an option to purchase things without using credit cards. And fast forward to 2014, they found it after pay. Fast forward to 2021 and they're worth $39 million, Claire. <laughs> Afterpay is seen as the leader of the buy now, pay later pack, particularly when it comes to consumers looking to purchase up to $2,000 worth of goods. It's the great disruptor, a huge winner out of a global pandemic as well. Yeah, the last 18 months have been phenomenally successful for Afterpay as that fraught economic times pushes customers towards BNPL. Also, retailers have shifted their operations online. So long story short, Afterpay now has a value that's more than 32 times bigger than was forecast, uh, which isn't bad for a business that's never turned a profit. I'm always curious about this. How can a business be worth billions of dollars and it's only ever made losses? <laughs> so building a business like Afterpay costs a lot, particularly when it's expanding across the world at great pace. And so investors look at the potential of what it could be rather than what's on the balance sheet right now. 
that makes sense. Afterpay is in a lot of markets. It's big in Australia, the UK, Canada, parts of Europe and New Zealand. One big market missing there, the US, it's a big opportunity and that's what Square can help them crack. But Afterpay isn't the only kid on the block. No, there's many options for Australian shoppers. In total, there's 22 BNPL providers that operate here and there's some big new entrants as well to look out for. The Commonwealth Bank is working on something called Step Pay. There's US giant PayPal. It's launching Pay in Four, uh, which has the selling point of no late fees. And Apple is looking to expand Apple Pay by offering a BNPL option on that product too. Yeah, it's certainly a competitive market with some pretty big names looking to get people's attention. Let's have a look now at what that means and what regulators think about it. Anything that gets this big and popular, Claire, attracts attention and ultimately scrutiny. Yeah, it sure does attract scrutiny. And there's a few concerns. Uh, There are some of those 22 BNPL services that are actually more like payday lenders. And that's a problem because they're known for huge fees and also huge interest rates. And if you miss a payment or need to have the time of that arrangement extended, it can really hurt. Yeah, that's led to concerns that young people can end up in a bit of strife when it comes to mucking up their credit histories. That can have a real impact when it comes to getting a home loan or credit from a bank. It's a big price to pay for a pair of shoes. Yeah, exactly. And that's what critics of BNPL have been saying for a while. They've also been calling on the government and regulators to start overseeing BNPL like they do others in the financial sector. Just to unpack that, they are treated a little differently. Yeah, they are. BNPL companies don't have the same responsibilities to ensure that they're only extending credit to consumers whose personal financial situations uh, show that they can actually pay for what they're purchasing. That's very different to the way the banks are monitored and also the banks are harshly criticised when something goes awry with their services. And when you say monitored, you mean regulated. BNPL at this point is self-regulated. Yeah, so what that means is that the government isn't as involved in monitoring BNPL like they are the banks and other financial services. Uh, Instead, the major players in Australia have agreed to a code of practice and that sets minimum standards. What consumer groups say about that is that it doesn't go far enough and that the government needs to step it up to ensure that consumers are protected. The government gets a right of reply, of course. They've had a bit to say. They have. Also, the Reserve Bank, they say that doesn't see a reason to step in at the moment and they don't want to stifle innovation that's happening in that sector that's benefiting consumers. They also say that it's important to keep things in perspective. Less than 1% uh, of the number and the value of consumer transactions are made using BNPL. Yeah, it certainly is innovative. And of course, it does help people buy the things they need and want. Lots of people will have lots of opinions on whether you should use BNPL or not, Claire. Yep, they sure do. And the experts and those in the know, they just say do your homework, understand what you're signing up to before you agree. Uh, Also be realistic about the amounts that you'll need to pay, including any fees and interest if you go over. Which means make sure to make your payments on time if you use BNPL. That's your shortcut to buy now, pay later. On to our recommendations. 
Each episode of Squeeze Shortcuts, we recommend some further reading, listening or watching. There's been a lot of attention, as we've said, on Afterpay and the ABC's Geraldine Duke has done an interview with Jonathan Shapiro and James Ayres from the Financial Review. They've just written a book on the founders of Afterpay. It's a great story. It is a good story. Another one is Catherine McConnell, who's a squizzer. She's the founder of Bright, uh, which provides BNPL-style finance for things like solar panels and batteries for your home, so big purchases. She's a real innovator. She has the backing of Mike Kennan-Brooks from Atlassian and plenty of others who are really excited about what she and her team are building. Uh, Her ambition is to make Australian homes sustainable when it comes to energy, so I've got a link to her story. Yeah, we're so fortunate to call her a squizzer, aren't we? (laughs) If you have a request for a squeeze shortcut, send us an email to hello at thesqueeze.com.au. Until next week. 